Hey there, church family. It is always a joy to bring the word. And today is exceptionally exciting because we sort of, uh, if you were part of our church a couple of years ago, we did the series. And I believe it's time to once again look at it with fresh eyes because uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Caleb, who's actually with me, um, sent, a, sent a message around on just trends that's happening around the world. And one of the things that is happening is a lot of people have been searching for this word called eternity, the afterlife. And a, a while back, I did a series, and, and, and we called the series Echoes in Eternity. And the reason why we called it Echoes in Eternity was actually from a movie that I watched when I was a kid called Gladiator. Uh, probably we may not be able to play that scene, but there's this epic moment where Ben, uh, I forgot his name, uh, whatever the actor's name was, he was Australian. What was his name? Somebody Russell told Crow. Russell Crowe. That's it. <laughs> Russell Crowe. Uh, uh, you know, uh, is, is leading the men, and then he, there's this moment where he's literally leading them to their death, uh, and he says, three weeks from now." <laughs> you know, he talks about how they'll be walking through heaven, and then and then pretty much he says, "What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity." And I'm calling this message "Eternity in Our Hearts." And Jesus had a lot to say about when it came to eternity. Jesus, one of the ways that Jesus communicated was in story form. He was such a brilliant communicator. And he had a lot to say about eternity. He had a lot to say about eternal values and eternal impact. And the way he would do that is through short stories. And Jesus had what I call 30 parables or 30 short stories. And all of, all, of all the 30 short stories, 16 of them had to do with eternity, eternal values and eternal impact. It had to do with stewardship, it had to do with heaven, it had to do with hell. And if Jesus took that much time to communicate that, I think that's something important. And so this morning is week one of this beautiful series we're going to kick off for the next couple of weeks. But I want to find, we're going to find our text, we're going to find our framework in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now before we read from Ecclesiastes, I want to give us a bit of a, a context of who wrote it. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. Now King Solomon was not just a king, but during his time, he was the wisest man on the planet and probably one of the richest men on the planet. And what I love is that maybe, you know, you might go, hey, I'd love to talk to a wise person. I'd love to talk to rich people and how they think. And we have a Bible filled with people with all sorts of experiences. And he's written a few books. And one of them is Ecclesiastes. And he starts talking about his life. Scholars say that the book of Ecclesiastes was written, the last book written by Solomon. So he was a bit more older. He'd written the book of Proverbs, written the book of Song of Songs uh, and Ecclesiastes. And so when you're a certain age, there's this level of maturity. And he's looking back and he's reflecting at his life. And I want you to know that it's not the happiest things you're about to read, but I think it's actually pretty true to where some of us live. This is what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure and to find out what is good. But that also, but that also proved to be meaningless. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned many herds and flocks, more than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. 
the delights of a man's heart. I denied, check this out, I denied myself nothing my eyes decide. You know how when you're scrolling and you see something, anytime he scrolled, he got it. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor and this was the reward of my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Then I turned. So all of that is not given him pleasure. So the Bible says that then he did something else. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. Then I said to myself, the fate of the fool will overtake me. What then do I gain by becoming wise? I said to myself, this too is meaningless for the wise, like the fool, will not be long remembered. The days have already come when both have been forgotten. Like the fool, the wise too must die. In other words, the dummy and the smart guy go to the same place. So I want to take a moment to do a bit of an inventory on all the things. You'll notice that there's seven things that, that, that he put himself to. He put himself to pleasure. He put himself to property. He put himself to influence. Maybe if I gain more friends, maybe if I have a bigger network, maybe if I know so-and-so who is there. He, he bought houses. He planted vineyards. He had slaves. Now, we look at slavery as just slavery, but the, in, in back in the day when they said they had slaves and slaves were born in their, in their homes, slaves were not just people to get them their coffees. They were actually people that would be involved in sporting. So he gave himself to the pleasures of sporting. He gave himself to different sport, to art. He said he had singers. In other words, he gave himself to movies and to theater. And then it says none of that helped. So he started studying. He started getting a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a PhD, a double PhD, a triple PhD, a quadruple PhD. His abs had PhD. And, but at the end of it, all these achievements and check out what it says verse 17 so i hated life after all these things he hated life see some of us are feeling unfulfilled and we think maybe if i get that dream job maybe if i get that dream house maybe if i get that dream girl maybe if i have that dream drink in fact it says he gave himself to wine if I have that dream drink, maybe if I live life a certain way, it will give me pleasure. But it says he tried everything under the sun. You know how we all have fantasies? Maybe if I got that, maybe if I bought that, maybe if I went there, maybe if I did that. If Solomon was here sitting at this, at this brekkie bar this morning, he would say to us, I've done all of your fantasies and I ended up hating life. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 in the midst of his pain, in the midst of his regret, in the midst of his life of experimentation, uh, he says something that is so profound. And he says in, in chapter 3, verse 11, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Solomon was trying to find beauty in everything he did, but he realized that beauty comes from God. And then he says these magic words. He says, For he has planted eternity in the human heart. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Regardless of what you believe, I believe every human being has this thing called the seed of eternity. Some of us are more aware of it as opposed to the rest of us. But we all reach a crossroad in life. And most times we reach that crossroad of eternity, especially when we lose a loved one. 
someone that was close to us, someone that abruptly their life got ended or tragically they, you know, they, had, they were in a car crash or whatever choices and consequences. But we all reach that moment where we go, where did that person go? When you ask that question, you're asking questions about eternity. And so this morning I have a simple message to set, sort of lay a foundation on eternity. And I'm going to give us five keys to get an eternal focus. Five keys to get an eternal focus. Because we've come to realize that we can do all the pleasures of life and gain all the wealth we want. But that won't give us the purpose and that won't give us the fulfillment as we have heard from Solomon. The first key is pray. Is pray. You know, a lot of times when I say pray, people go, yeah, that's what you would say. But prayer is such a powerful thing because prayer is not just a thing that we do out of ritualistic obligation, but prayer is a process where heaven becomes your reality. Prayer is the process where we touch eternity. Anytime I pray, I'm not just on this planet. I come in contact with an eternal realm. I come in contact with an eternal atmosphere. I become conscious of something that is greater than me. One of the greatest examples of prayer we find in Psalm 43. I want to give you a paraphrased version of Psalm 43. But Psalm 43, David is panicking because he's being attacked. And he's saying the enemies have risen against me. They want to kill me. They want to do this. They want to send a thousand camels and eat me. You know, all sorts of things. They want to rain down daggers on me. But then he finishes off and he says, I will yet hope in God. In you I put my trust. You are a good father. That's what prayer does. Prayer produces perspective. Prayer produces eternal perspective. In fact, Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, the way we set our hearts on things above is through prayer. Anytime I have a low moment, and I have a few, I just need to pray. When I take a few seconds to pray, pray all of a sudden my perspective just lifts up. It just changes. I get an eternal perspective. And a lot of times I think when we think about God, we think God's job is to come down. Well, God did that 2,000 years ago. But God is saying, I'm calling you to come up. I'm calling you to gain an eternal perspective. I'm calling you to gain an eternal understanding. And God is saying, if you maintain that perspective, it sets you up for life. And if I can speak to every young person watching to me, watching me right now, I find that it's mostly older people that talk about eternity. But I know for a fact, when I was a 14-year-old, for whatever reason, I think it was maybe a grace from God, I had an eternal perspective that dating won't satisfy me, attention won't satisfy me, popularity won't satisfy me. An eternal perspective changes your view. The second thought that I have, five perspectives, second, second thought I have is serve. Get involved with something. Serving is good for your soul. Maybe you're like, we're in COVID-19, I cannot serve. Can I say serving is not just satisfying a roster? It's not just fulfilling a task, but having the heart of a, of a servant, having the heart of servitude is such a powerful thing. I find that when I serve, it produces within me a purpose that is bigger than me. It gives me an understanding that it's not all about me. I find that 
when people are struggling in life, in marriage, in relationship, most times it's because people have begun to think a bit inwardly and it changes and, and makes it so difficult. But when you begin to serve, it literally changes your perspective. In fact, I want to share a passage of scripture from John chapter 6, verse 27, where it says, do not work for food that spoils. If you're from Brisbane, that's saying, do not just work to buy from Coles. If you're in Dubai, it's, it's saying do not just work to buy from Carrefour, whichever place you're watching from, but for food that endures to eternal life. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on Him God the Father has placed this heel of approval. What am I trying to say? I'm not saying it's a sin to shop at Coles. We got to get food. We've got to get groceries. We've got to have a life. We've got to get resources. But the Bible is saying, do not just work for that kind of food. There's another kind of food, an eternal food. It's a food that endures to eternal life. Food that is fruitful, food that is satisfying, food that is nurturing to the soul. And can I say the greatest food for your soul is serving. Serving satisfies the human soul like nothing else. The third thought I have when it comes to how to gain an eternal perspective is give, give. I'm not talking about just tithing. Now, we know that as followers of Jesus, we have uh, been invited to this opportunity of kingdom partnership to give 10%. But I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about a generous spirit. Anytime is an opportunity for generosity. Anytime is an opportunity to love on a neighbor, to love on somebody that's doing a bit difficult. Anytime I've loved what's been happening at Downpour over the season where we've got people in our church that are going through difficult times, but we've had a group of people that said, even in the midst of our difficulty, we're going to have essential packs. We're going to get this going. And we've already had people signing up for that and saying, hey, we want, to, we want this and we need help. And, and, and I think a generous spirit is so important, especially during this season during the times we live in. And let's be people that are constantly, uh, you know, constantly thinking about how can I be generous? Uh, the greatest conspiracy that you can be a part of is generosity. <laughs> how can I conspire to be generous? How can I conspire? You know, that's the heart of God. I, I reckon if we were ever to creep up on God when he doesn't know we're creeping up on him, he would be holding his hands together, conspiring on how he can be generous in your world, in our lives. Generosity is, is an eternal value. And when I am generous, it begins to have an eternal impact for the people around me. It has an eternal impact within me. Number four, whichever number we are on, I think the fourth way is to share Christ. Share Christ. Some of us are excited about being followers of Jesus, but I think in the middle of our excitement, we have lost the purpose of what it is to be a Jesus follower. And one of my prayers is always that God never make me a professional Christian. And especially for those of us that have been sort of followers of Jesus for a season, we can be professional. You know, we've got our Christian language around it. We've got our Christian dues around it. We've got our Christian duties around it. But, but let me never be a professional Christian. Even just, just this week, I was getting a haircut. And, and as I was getting a haircut, I said, you know, and I was getting a haircut, if I can be honest, just because we were getting videos done. And as I was getting ha this haircut, uh, I said to the person, you know, do you know why I'm having this haircut? And I literally started sharing just from where I was sitting 
about what we do. And then I literally just pulled up YouTube and just did a scroll. I'm talking about this. This took me 10 seconds. Did a scroll. And this person saw our videos and said, this looks so nice. And I knew that God had done something because on my way out, this person actually took their notebook out and said, can you tell me the name of your church? I'm going to look it up. Can I tell you, it is so simple to share the love of Jesus. It's not, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, you got to come here at 1030. You got to do this. No, it can just be simple as dropping a seed. And it is so important because here's the thing about sharing Jesus. I want you to know that the only thing that you can take with you to eternity is not your car. It's not your career, but it's people. The only thing that I can take with me into the next life is the person sitting next to me. And sharing Jesus is so powerful because when you share Jesus, what you do is you, you, you deposit an eternal seed that will have ripple effects all through eternity. And sharing Jesus is so important. And number five, this is especially for those of us that maybe have been walking with God or maybe you have lost that contact with God and and maybe you're sort of stagnant or you're sort of paralyzed in your faith is to receive Jesus. None of what I shared above really helps unless you've received Jesus. And maybe you're like, yeah, I know Jesus. You know, I think I have a relationship. Friend, I want to encourage you this morning. Let's let's eliminate the shadow of doubt in this relationship. I know I'm married to Leah. I don't second guess it. I'm not thinking about it. I know. And and, and for some of us, maybe this is that moment where eternity needs to spring up in our soul. And we need to say, you know what? I want to put a stop to the indecisiveness. I want to put a stop to I'm not sure. I want to put a stop to Jesus and this. No, I want to receive Jesus. And I want to take this moment and just right now say this is so powerful. And, and I just shared this list of points, which is praying, serving, giving, loving. All of these things echoes into eternity. But I want to give a mom, moment right now, this morning, to create what I call an echo creating opportunity. For people watching me this morning, if you do not know Jesus or you feel like you are far from God, if you feel like you're distant from God, I want to create a, an echo creating opportunity. And I want to say that God loves you. And because he knew, and here's the thing about God, God is complete in himself. But for whatever reason, God felt that he's incomplete without us. He's incomplete without you and me. And he wants to spend not just this time here on earth with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. And I want to give us an opportunity right now to create what I call an echo creating opportunity. And an echo creating opportunity is just as simple as saying, Jesus, I put my trust in you. Jesus, I believe that faith in you does not just mean blessings for this life, but faith in you means a relationship and a forever partnership that takes me into the next life. Faith in you means I'm going to spend eternity with you. And so I want to just give you that opportunity. In fact, if you want to say that prayer, if you have said that prayer, I want you to shoot us a message. Let your Zoom leader know. Let us know on Facebook, on YouTube, whatever way you're watching. Because friend, I want you to know that is the most important decision you can make. That as you make this decision, this is an echo creating opportunity that will last for eternity. Why don't we pray? Father, I pray. For each and every person watching, I pray that you will draw all people to you. 
Maybe there's a person watching that do not know you. And I pray that they would put their complete faith and trust in you. Maybe there's a person that's saying, I need to just be more generous. I've been so stingy. I've been holding this season. I've just been keeping things to myself. Maybe it's a person that says, I, I need to learn to serve in a new way. Maybe I need to be a part of, of, of celebrating online church. Maybe I need to be engaged in my Zoom. Maybe I need to be engaged in serving in whatever form that's there. I pray for each and every person as you touch them and meet them where they are. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will draw all people to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching. And I believe that this is just week one of an incredible series that God's going to birth something so powerful in us. I pray that at Downpour that we will not just be people that are temporarily satisfied by the pleasures of life and the things God is doing and God's not doing, but that we will be people that are focused and have eternal values. God bless you. I cannot wait to see you next week.